Well, it hasn't been pretty, but Michigan State hoops has returned to its winning ways, knocking off Minnesota for its second straight home win on Thursday night. The Spartans now sit at 11-7 overall and 3-4 and in the Big Ten, ahead of a pair of tough road games. Probably not where most fans would like to be, but the Spartans are still very much alive for March. And in a topsy-turvy Big Ten, better positioning is always possible. We will discuss the latest from the hardwood and share some takeaways from Jonathan Smith's first public comments in weeks on episode 135 of MLive's Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Lawson, and Matt Wenzel with you on a snowy Friday, January 19th, 2024. You know what? That's okay. You know, life life is pretty good, actually, if you're a sports fan in Michigan. So, so Matt, I'll ask you, where were you when the Detroit Lions won their first game in more than 30 years? Won their first game, period? Yeah. Well, their- playoff game, you know what I mean. <laughs> I like that for a while. Yeah. I, I was I was sitting on the couch watching it. It was uh hey man, that place looked like it was it was rocking. Um, you know, that uh Lions fan base uh is more than uh, overdue for a for a win like that. It was uh, you know, that was uh looked pretty cool. Were you tuned in, Kyle? I was, yeah, got got the full tune in. A little disappointed about this week. Uh, noon tip on the road at Maryland, and I'm flying back right afterwards, so going to be in transit during the game. Um, I, you know, like I, there's a time when it'd be like I'm not going to watch it and I'm not going to know, and I'm going to like go home and watch it. But I, like I don't feel like that's possible in 2024 anymore. So no, no, that when I was working a night shift in a kitchen, I used to. Uh, there were certain. This is back in like the past sports days, if I remember right. I don't know, some sort of deal where, you know, the wings were good. And if I could, I would try to avoid the wings because they wouldn't be on in the bar because they didn't have pass or whatever. And I would try to come home and watch the, like the tape delay. But nowadays, like, that's a, like, how do you not? I mean, like, there was no Twitter. Like, nowadays, that's, it seems impossible to try and keep the, the lid on that. Yeah, well, especially when you're as, you know, tuned in as we are with our professions, you know, you're on Twitter, you work in sports, you get texts, we have group chats, you know, it's like, my father in law tries to do that. And I'm just like, there's no way I could possibly do that. So anyways, yeah, hopefully the Lions more good vibes for Michigan and sports fans, hopefully this weekend. Uh, But we're here to talk about the Michigan State Spartans, which for now, I guess are in the good vibe portion of the wave that is Michigan State basketball the last few years. But the Spartans did get it done, won again against Minnesota last night. Uh, A game, you know, they they probably should have won by more. They end up winning 76-66. They were up by a lot at certain times, and Minnesota kept hanging around. An undermanned Minnesota team kept hanging around. Uh, I know Tom was a little bit disappointed with the performance, but that comes off a a pretty complete, you know, impressive dogfight win, 73-55 against Rutgers. So the Spartans are back approaching 500. Uh, They're in the Big Ten, Kyle, but I don't know what stuck out most, I guess, about last night's game. Um, I mean, first of all, Tyson Walker at the end being Tyson Walker, um, you know, um, just everyone in the building knows what is going to transpire. Uh, Minnesota is going to do everything they can to stop it. And he still scores 12 points in four minutes and takes him from tied to winning by 10 um, single-handedly, you know, and it's just, um, it's just really impressive to watch over and over again. Um, and uh, yeah, got it done. It had been kind of bottled up before that. Uh, didn't get frustrated, kind of bided his time. And um, Minnesota, as you mentioned, kind of shorthanded, and I think he was able to kind of just outlast them and have a little bit more in the tank at the end. Um, so, so that was really impressive. And you know, the, the margin, I, I thought, I thought Minnesota played very well. Um, I, I thought they hit some really tough shots early to kind of get going and get some confidence, uh, shot, 
better than 50% for most of the game. So I thought they played well. Michigan State probably didn't have its best defensive game of the year, um, but they got it together when it counted. I think they, um, I think Minnesota closed like two for 13 from the field. So they got it together defensively in the last four minutes. Tyson Walker was Tyson Walker. And not as pretty as you'd like, but like, look around the Big Ten. You know, um, Wisconsin's undefeated. They go lose to Penn State. Um, you know, Purdue's lost a couple of head scratchers. You know, Illinois loses at home to Maryland. Like, these things are happening all over the conference. Michigan State had previously taken care of the games easily that it should have. You know, it beat Rutgers um, handily. It beat um, Penn State handily at home. So it, it's not shocking that um, they're going to have a couple closer than expected results. But you end up winning by 10. Um, I don't think there's any shame in that, given how this conference has gone this year. Yeah, no, no Elijah Hawkins. He was leading the country in assists. So when you heard that pregame, you kind of felt like Michigan State was in a pretty good position. You know, Cam Christie was in foul trouble. Uh, Dawson Garcia had some foul trouble. Their big man Payne had some foul trouble. You know, Mitchell, I thought, played amazing last night for Minnesota. He kind of kept them in the game. But I think Michigan State knew, you know, they didn't have their best defensive game, I don't think. But I think they knew that they were scoring pretty easily on Minnesota at times. So, you know, if they just you know, buckled down there at the end. I think they always felt that they were going to be able to come out with a win. Of course, Izzo, he's never going to give anyone his flowers when, especially when it's, you know, a little bit of defensive struggle. So, you know, he said there wasn't a ton of progress, but you know what? You get a win and you don't apologize for it when it comes to the Big Ten. And you mentioned, Kyle, you know, the upsets, not even just in the Big Ten. I mean, they're happening all over college basketball. So, you know, I think sometimes fans who like only lock in on one team, and in this case, Michigan State, they tend to be very critical of their team. They're overcritical of them. And I'm guilty of it too. You know, we watch this team day in and day out. That's what's going to happen. But if you're somebody who watches a lot of college basketball around the country, you'll see that there's a lot of good, not great teams that have very clear flaws. And they're all kind of working through this stuff, you know. So that I guess, you know, that's kind of would be my warning to Michigan State fans who are frustrated by some of their flaws. Like every team has these. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And like honestly, like I, I don't see a whole lot really glaring with Michigan State flaws wise right now. Like, like I, I think they've come around to be pretty complete. Um, it's funny. I feel like I'm higher on them right now than their record would indicate. Um, but I feel like they're a better team than their record. And um, I, I really feel like they're poised for a pretty good couple week stretch here um, that um, based on not only how they're playing, but I think the schedule sets up pretty well for them too. Going forward, two road games in a row on the road, obviously that'll be tough. But overall, you look at the next um, eight to 10 games, I think there's a lot of wins to be there had there for Michigan State. Um, shooting the ball well, overall defending well. Um, Malik Hall obviously had the one uh, clunker for the ages at Northwestern. But outside of that, I mean, he's given them like 14, 15 a night, playing good defense, rebounding well, had 16 and 12 last night, and, and was, I think, start to finish their best player. Obviously, Tyson Walker um, came on at the end. But I, I think for the full 40 minutes, he was their best guy. So I think he's moving closer to consistency. Um, they, they had five turnovers last night. They're taking the ball, taking care of the ball well. Uh, Trey Holloman's giving them stuff, you know, still not getting a whole lot of front court offense, but that, I mean, that's a roster issue. They're not, they're not fixing that this year. So um, overall, I, th I think they're in a good place. Um, uh, 11 and seven, but I don't know, like, it doesn't feel like it feels like they're going to go on a run here. And, and I, I don't, in my mind, this isn't really a bubble team and like they should be, I mean, they're 11 and seven. If, if the season ended today, they would be pretty close to that bubble. But um, I don't know. It just feels like it sets up for them pretty well going forward.
Yeah, I mean, the analytics would back you up on them being a better team in their record. But, you know, Malik Hall, 18-14, he had the stinker against Northwestern. But 14-15-16, added 12 rebounds last night, crossed the 1,000 career point threshold, which is an accomplishment for any player. You know, Malik did, you know, got there in five years, but still 1,000 points. This is 1,000 points. And uh, happy for Malik. He's had a very up-and-down career, and it seems like he's finally starting to put together that senior season that we thought he would, you know, we always have to like, it's like walking on thin ice when we do this, Kyle, because we've, we've had this conversation many times since we've been doing this podcast, but you know, we haven't seen him put together double digit games like this no. over a stretch of four or five, six games. So hopefully it means that he's here to stay. Wanted to go back to your Tyson Walker comments. You mentioned how we kind of closed the game. I think Tom has been a little perplexed about why Walker sometimes doesn't seem to have that killer instinct because, you know, we call him the closer. We know he can come out and go on these stretches where he can single-handedly win games. And I was kind of, I'll kind of go back to like his comments. Uh, I think it was the press conference. It was either before the Minnesota game or it was after the Rutgers game when he was kind of talking about Tyson's mindset and how he needs to like embrace the spotlight and embrace the fact that he's like an all big 10 player of the year level player and Izzo like was almost openly wondering like does he care about that like does he care about getting that star treatment and that spotlight and does he want to embrace it you know because he's this kid from Westbury New York played at Northeastern where he didn't get a ton of attention he's obviously been here a few years now I think Izzo just wants him to like go full into being that very complete player that we know he can be and he kind of pointed to uh, you know, the bench and how his reaction being the first person to go pick up Steven Izzo after his bucket. And I just think he still thinks that there's a level Tyson Walker can reach that he still isn't doing as consistently as he likes. So I, I just found that whole sort of conversation about sort of his mental killer instinct to be interesting. Tyson Walker is a bit of an enigma uh, to me, at least a uh, very hard guy to read. Um, he is more media averse shall i say uh match laughing than um than any player that i've covered frankly any star player that i've covered doesn't like talking doesn't like doing interviews um is very brief with us um and that's okay i mean that, that happens with some guys not everyone has to love the spotlight um but it can get a hard to read kind of everything you just said it's harder to answer because he's very far from an open book he's very much a closed book with us so like I asked him the other day, I'm like, is Big Ten Player of the Year a goal for you? Like, seems like a pretty basic thing. But, like, I feel like I have to ask these questions of Tyson because he's very um, – it, it's hard to tell. Um, and he said, yeah, it, he goes, I don't I don't talk about it. Like, I don't tell you guys. But, yeah, that's been on my goal sheet from the beginning. Um, I, I think the, the – I think he is very driven. Um, and I just think he does, goes about it kind of in his own way. Like, like I see A.J. Hogarth is, like, the opposite. You know, A.J. Hogarth, everything's on his sleeve. He talks about it all. Uh, very public with everything. Um, those two are like best friends, but Tyson's kind of the opposite. He kind of goes about it very inwardly. Um, but I do think he's driven. I, I think Tom wants to see more of the last four minutes Tyson throughout the other 36 minutes. Um, and he was talking about that before he did it um, against Minnesota, but Minnesota was kind of a perfect example. I go back to the Baylor game when he kind of turned that on in the first half. And like, that was the biggest reason they ran away from a top 10 team. Um, if he can find a way to do that earlier and listen, 12 points in four minutes is hard to do. I'm not saying he can just snap his fingers and do that, but if he can play with that um, aggression and intensity and kind of not let the game come to him, um, I, I think Michigan State could be a lot better team if he can find ways to do that earlier in the game. Um, and, and 
Izzo's talking about defensively too when he talks about this. He doesn't. Um, he he locked down there at the end, the last eight or eight or so minutes, but um, he slipped a little bit defensively, at least in his coach's mind. Part of that's injury. Uh, I think you can see when you watch him play, his hip is not right, and if he falls on it during the game, he's lagging a little bit, and I think that shows up more on the defensive end than the offensive end. But um, listen, I mean, the guy's averaging twenty points a game now. It, it feels kind of crazy to be talking about needing more from him, but. I watch him and I do think there is more to give because he's that good of a player. I mean, if, if Zach Eady wasn't in the conference, we'd be talking about Big Ten Player of the Year right now, um, most other years. But he happens to have a Goliath um, in front of him that unless he gets hurt, he's going to win that award. But first team all Big Ten and, you know, maybe he sneaks out into an All-American team. I mean, first team would be tough, but, you know, third team All-American, something like that. I, I think that's in the possibility. I mean, he's been that impressive to me this year. He was on some third team list preseason. So I think that's very much in the cards. But yeah, Edie had what, 30 and 20 the other night? Like, that's just, yeah, like just absolutely ridiculous. Like, I don't know how you stop this guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like this. I like what I'm seeing mostly from Walker. I just think that, you know, when you're the star player, you're one of the best players in the league. Tom's going to expect a lot from you. And defensively, yeah, I think that's more where it's coming from. Although, I do like how Walker and Hogarth have been getting downhill lately. They're both attacking the basket. I think Hogarth had one step back last night that wasn't great, but you know he's getting to the basket. I'd like to see a little bit more of that for Makins. He did it a couple times last night because, I don't know, when his shot isn't falling and he's missing open looks, I think it sometimes he gets real frustrated by it and it can lead to other parts of his game. Tyson has some of that too on the defensive end, but you know it's I like to see the aggressiveness on offense. And then... Um, I guess let's go. Let's talk about it, Kyle. Let's go back to the Rutgers game. We got to talk about Steven Izzo's bucket real quick because that was huh. that was absolutely electric. The way he made that, and I put out a tweet, you know, kind of putting the focus on the bench and how you know Tom mentioned Jay Nakins jumping around like he's on a pogo stick, like a two year old, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if Tom Izzo like went back and looked at the film of the guy's reaction on the bench and being like, "Guys, I love to see this. Like, you're so happy for Steven. Let's be like this all the time." You know, I think that kind of like gave him a little glimpse into like you know, how some of these guys who maybe are a little more guarded could be. But uh, that was a fun moment for everyone, I think. Yeah, I mean, Tom was touched, you know, he was happy for Steven, but I think he was just more touched by how much the team and the fans have embraced his son. Um, I mean, you saw him crying. That's not atypical for Tom, but that's that's why. Um, And yeah, very cool moment. Kind of snuck up on me, you know. It's like when the December games went by and it didn't happen for him, I'm thinking, man, I don't... I don't know. There's not, he didn't get up a whole lot of shots in big 10 play and shoot Rutgers. They were, they were like tied there with like, you know, um, 16 minutes left. And it felt like one of these classic Michigan state Rutgers rock fights that's going to come down to the end. So not on my radar at all. Um, they go on the 19 point run. He gets in, um, and Rutgers is the best defensive team in the country and still had starters in the game. So it's like, okay, you know, Probably not going to happen, but <laughs> Stephen, credit to him, man, faces up against a Rutgers starter, um, pulls a move on him, gets past him. Th- look, look, looks like Tyson Walker throwing up a baseline floater. Um, and man, when that dropped, it was um, just pandemonium in there. I mean, it's got to be top three, um, like loudest cheers I've heard in that building, which which is saying something. You know, I've seen some stuff in that building. So um, really cool moment. Um, I had a great time talking to uh steven afterwards probably the most i've ever laughed in the michigan state locker room talking to steven um just a really entertaining funny kid with a lot of personality um he's he's taken a lot after his dad um i think in that aspect um 
I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one story real quick. Patrick might have to get the bleep button ready for me here, but um, he, um, he, he goes, he tells a story and he pauses for a second. He's talking to me and Graham couch. He, he's asking around. He doesn't do a lot of interviews. He's asking around. He's like, Hey, am I allowed to swear? And from the other side of the locker room, AJ Hogarth suddenly shouts. He goes, Steve-O, you say whatever the f*** you want, man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah, we're going to need the bleep. (laughs) Yes, and he proceeded to tell us uh, a very, very entertaining story. But, no, it it meant a lot to him. Um, uh, Everybody had fun with it. But, you know, he's a guy that um, has spent five years. I mean, he's a player obviously and and plays in games and practices but he does like he rebounds um he he's the guy who misses all the free throws so players can practice rebounding uh he 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 does a lot of things for the program and um he means a lot to a lot of the players and it was it was a very very cool moment and i'm glad that it uh, got the recognition i was heading out the door i was just i was all you know bundled up and everything and i'm, I'm like eh, hold on there, there's a minute left and my wife's like, why are you watching? You know, why? I was like, well, you know, Steven is and yada, yada. And she's like, wait, what? He's never scored a point. And I'm like, yeah, just okay. And then, I mean, what a way, what a way for it to happen. You know, good for him. A guy who has from day one has had, you know, no illusions about who he is and where he is on that roster um, to get. I mean, that's got to be of all the shots he's pulled. That had to be like the most improbable one to go down. And when it started, you know, it was hanging around the rim. You just knew that thing was falling. So good good for him. A cool moment um, for the team. And, you know, I, I just thought it was, uh, you know, it's one of those nice, one of those positive moments in college sports. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I mean, for as much as college sports change, has changed you still get those moments and you don't really get those in any other setting so i mean it was all over the place uh and i it was a really cool feeling and hey you never know you know you see the bench react like that maybe that can, a moment like that can kind of galvanize the team you know just kind of get them more together and maybe motivate a run you know yeah it's the it's the last guy on the bench making a shot but that's a team building and team bonding moment that i know they soaked up pretty well and tom had some comments about about the guys on the bench as well and i think I think he can point to that and be like, hey, why don't we get excited for when everyone does something like this? You know, so uh, I do think that was maybe a big kind of galvanizing moment for the team. Just real quick before we move on to Maryland, Kyle, what, what did you what did you make of the tech? That is, oh, God, I thought it was an awful timing, but yeah, it wasn't good timing. Um, uh, he, he overall feels like he's gotten fewer techs overall, but um, yeah, not a good time. And it was weird because he was um, he was getting on the baseline ref um, and, and he, he thought not to get too deep into the weeds, but um, it has to do with defending shots. There's his verticality rule that he's always complained about hates. Didn't feel like it was being called evenly. Um, so he said something to the guy. Um, he thought that the baseline ref had laughed at him, um, and that really kind of set, set him off. Um, so he, he said something, which he'll never say what he said, but he said something. The baseline ref didn't hear it, but the backcourt ref did. So, like, the ref behind him teed him up for something he was saying to the other refs. It was all very strange. Um, but, yes, uh, bad tech. Um, if they would have lost, it would have been a big deal um, because I think they tied the game on those free throws. Uh, but, yeah, ov- overcame it. Um, and, uh, yeah, something not seen quite as much of lately. But, uh, yeah, Ill- ill-time technical foul. Maryland is next up on the docket. It's a road game. Kyle mentioned it. It's at noon uh, on Sunday, so kind of like a little appetizer for the Lions game. Maryland, again, one of these teams, you know, they're kind of led by, you know, the three-man, big three, I guess, Jameer Young up there at the point guard, Julian Reese, kind of a do-it-all guy, and then Dante Scott, inside-out, down-low guy who's given Michigan State trouble in the past. 
they beat Illinois last Sunday and then come back and lose a close game to Northwestern that I, I watched a lot of that game and I thought they had a chance to win that one. But this is another one of those kind of like mid-tier Big Ten teams that you don't really know a whole lot what to do. I think, you know, this could be another ugly game. Uh, Maryland is is not great on offense. They're outside the 300 shooting the three. So that's that's pretty bad on their part and could be, could work to Michigan State's advantage if they could play some solid defense. But uh, it's the same old story when you play teams like this when you're Michigan State. You know, they got to get the run game going. And if they do that, that kind of opens up everything else. Yeah, I mean, Maryland at the beginning of the year looked like they were going to be absolute trash this year. Um, lost to Davidson and UAB um, in their first three games. And um, I guess credit to them. They, they've turned it around somewhat. Um, still sitting at 11 and 7, but um, beat Michigan, beat Illinois on the road. And then, like you said, came very close to losing to beating Northwestern. Uh, played better in those two venues the Michigan State just did. So uh, a game that to me looks a lot harder than it did uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, I mean, and pack it in. They shoot 27% from three-point range, one of the worst in the country. But um, State's had some trouble at, at times with them. Jameer Young's been a really good player for them. Um, and, you know, Michigan State's got a – we're talking on January 19th here, and Michigan State has not won a basketball game outside of the state of Michigan. So that, that's my biggest thing in the in the um, in the next week um, is can they get it done on the road? They haven't to, to their credit. They haven't played a lot outside um, of Michigan, and I don't think they played like really poorly. They just haven't played well enough to win. You know, they go to Nebraska. I think they play fine. Nebraska just shoots lights out. Um, I thought they played well. We haven't even talked about Illinois. Uh, that was you know we haven't really potted since then. I thought they played pretty well at Illinois, just not quite well enough to beat a, a pretty good team on the road. Um, so, but you know, if they're really going to go on the run, like I said, I think they're capable of, uh, Maryland on the road is the type of type of game that you can and and should be able to win. Mm -hmm. Especially with Wisconsin on the road on Friday coming up. So, I mean, um, all right, well, I think that'll do it for the hoops talk. You know, it's, it's the slog of the big 10 season. I feel like every time we come on the pod, it's like, Oh, the sky is falling here. Oh, they're back. You know, it's, it's really hard to keep a level head during the basketball season, but that's just kind of how it goes. Matt, I want to get to the Jonathan Smith's press conference and kind of what stuck out to you from that. But I guess I'll just start with the the coaching staff getting filled. Uh, Demetrius Martin coming back. He's going to coach in the secondary, kind of partner up with Blue Adams. But they pulled him away, you know, former MSU guy, but they pulled him away from Oregon. Um, it seems like those two could create, you know, we'll see what happens on the field, obviously. But from a recruiting standpoint, I feel like those two are going to be set up pretty well. Yeah, I mean, he's, uh, you know, Jonathan Smith was hired. He said he's not going to rush you know, filling out his staff and he, he wasn't kidding. I mean, it took him, you know, damn near two months to, to make the, you know, to complete it. So, but uh, Martin's a, uh, you know, intriguing hire, somebody he's known since, well, they're both Pasadena natives, but he, he said he goes back to when he recruited his brother. So um, known each other for a long time. Martin's obviously got the, uh, the Michigan state ties with, you know, having been a, you know, an all big 10 first team corner in 94, seven interceptions. So he knows the area. He's good recruiter. Um, he, I mean, he'd been at what half a dozen PAC 12 schools. So you bring that, that West coast experience with also the Midwest, you know, the Michigan state ties and um, yeah, it looks like a good fit. He'll coach corners. Um, Blue Adams is, you know, the secondary coach and and have safeties and, um, that, you know, it'll be a collaborative effort, much like, you know, with the defensive line with Wilt being rush ends and uh, Leggy being the uh, D-line coach. So uh, so that's it. The staff's complete. And, um, 
they're moving forward uh, and, and they got transfers officially in the fold and spring practice is two months away. So they're, they're moving along. What was, I mean, I thought Jonathan Smith looked more comfortable in this press conference than he did in his introductory, you know, that'll come with being around the campus and actually, you know, knowing where you're going somewhat and settling in and going to some games. And he had talked about all that and now he's still got to get his family out here. But what did you think was the most interesting aspect of the press conference? Um, you know, I mean, just kind of the fact that he feels like he, like he's, it's starting to settle a little, not that it's obviously going to, you know, his 365 days a year job, obviously, but, uh, just he's you know it's kind of slowed down a little bit you know he, he took over at a crazy period you know you got to hire a staff get a re-recruit roster you got you know you had a month and change to sign a first recruiting class and, and go into the portal and all that stuff um you know i i was telling somebody else about this last night i guess overall just the sense is like i don't know how much if michigan state could have done anything better or if it could have been more positive from no, from the minute, you know, walked out of Ford Field after that debacle to end the crazy season. But from that Saturday morning on till basically now, I don't know that they could have done a lot better. You know, I mean, you get a young coach on the rise who's well-respected. He's got a good track record, offensive-minded, so you get a change. And did it, you know, he pieced together a recruiting class, you know, held the guys they had, brought guys from that he had from Oregon State, you know, you – you, you go into the portal and, and you get um, – they signed – they announced nine scholarship guys yesterday. Obviously, Aiden Childs, the quarterback, is, is the top one. And so you got one of the top quarterbacks in the transfer market, and you've done well. So, yeah, I just think he's he's hit the ground running really well. He said yesterday that he, he thinks there's some buzz out there about Michigan State, and he wants to keep that going. So, yeah, and then, you know, he, he spoke uh, – the Michigan High School Football Coaches Association's annual clinic last night. What a way to spend your birthday. Talk to us uh, in the afternoon and then at 8.30 at night be at the Lansing Center uh, giving, a, giving an hour-long presentation. But, you know, I'm not going to break down the whole presentation um, right now, but I was, I was, I thought it was really interesting. His organizational structure, you know, it, was, it wasn't X's and O's. It had really nothing to do with that. It was all culture and philosophy and some of the things – I just, I thought it was a good presentation. You know, it was, um, it's interesting, you know, and, and, you know, he's just starting to get to know all those coaches and um, they're getting to know him. And yeah, I, I think he, I think he's done a pretty good job. Yeah, really uh, Grimes not being able to enroll. is like the only negative thing that has happened like for Michigan state in a while, but yeah, I mean, but you know, it's the portal. I mean, stuff happens. So, you know, uh, to recap, yeah, Grimes flipped to UNLV apparently because of academic issues. Um, Zion Young, who was really the last one you were you were waiting on to decide whether he would stay or go. Um, he, he he was going to Missouri, so uh, pretty much closed the book on the, on the portal <laughs> for the most part. So, and then uh, T.J. Sheffield, wide receiver from Purdue, he was the lone. Um, committed transfer who they didn't announce um, signed yesterday. He's not in the student directory. So that's something to just kind of monitor going forward, whether or not he will be able to, uh, to end up with, uh, with Michigan state. I love to hear that, you know, when you guys are trying to ask like, you know, about leaders, you know, he wasn't, he was a little shy on mentioning names, but three guys, you know, he did mention, you know, Van Sumer or not uh, Van Sumer and um, Gino Vandemark and Simeon Barrow and Derek Harmon as guys that have kind of stuck out. And I love to hear that it's, returning guys obviously who were already in the program that are trying to help the the meshing of all these transfer guys but 
I also love that those are the guys that are in the trenches because I think anything, if MSU is going to have success this year, it's going to start with good play on the offensive and defensive line, or at least better play than it has been. So I thought that was notable to hear that Jonathan Smith is already noticing that, you know, those guys that have been here are kind of ones taking the reins already. Yeah, he didn't even hesitate yesterday when he was asked, you know, who are the some of the guys? And he went straight to Derek Harmon, Simeon Barrow, Gino Vandemark, you know. And what's interesting is those are three those three guys I have all been in the portal in the last, you know, you know, four months or whatever. Barrow is a midseason, you know, window when Tucker was fired and, you know, he was only in for a couple of days and, and bounced back out. Harmon was in the portal for, you know, more than about a month or whatever. Um and Vandermark, you know, too. So, I mean, that's just that's college athletics now. It's college football. It's it's wild, but it's it's not gonna it's not gonna change anytime soon. But you know, he got buy in from from a number of guys to bring nine of those guys out of the portal and stick with the program. Yeah, you had to sell the vision of 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 you know their staff and and what their you know philosophy is, and and he he also said that he thinks that as much as anything, just their their comfort, their like, love of what of Michigan State is, is played a big role uh, in them, you know, remaining with the program as well. Yeah, I mean, you saw Aiden Childs last night. He was in the in the zone, looked like he was having a good time, and they were chanting his name before the guys even put on a Michigan State practice uniform, which is a little much. But hey, whatever. If you're trying to hype the kid up, I like it. Um, so you know, I'm not sure they have that kind of basketball atmosphere at Oregon State. So uh, he was probably loving that. And like I said, yeah, Michigan State sells itself in certain ways. So um, let's see. Uh, I just wanted to ask you guys tried to ask, but positions in the portal. I mean. What position do you see as the biggest need still? Is receiver still a concern, or, or do they have enough of those young guys that you know? Yeah, I mean, I could, I, I would, I could see them adding a receiver because really, I mean, with with what you got, I mean, Foster's, you know, he he's really your veteran, and and you could use another one like a guy like T.J. Sheffield, for example. So yeah, I wouldn't, I would not be surprised at all. And and he said, you know, the second signing period, um, coming which begins in February, um will be, you know, kind of smaller group, most likely, you know, more high school prospects, but, you know, the portal will open again. So, you know, that's just it, grad transfers can always put their names in and it's just a, you know, it's it'll always be fluid, you know, and this will be a deal where when spring practice ends, um, well, we'll see how it goes over, you know, after that and, you know, everything can change in a hurry. So um, buckle up. I think like three more Alabama players and four more Washington players have entered the portal since we started recording. So uh, that's just how it goes in today's day and age. But uh, we'll cover it all with all the developments on both sides, football and basketball, mlive.com slash Spartans. We got a hockey story up today too, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Matt Matt Wenzel, hockey reporter. That's what I like to see. I was going to mention Michigan, Michigan State, uh, 7 o'clock tonight in East Lansing and then uh, tomorrow in Ann Arbor. The rivalry's back. I mean, we don't talk a lot of hockey on this pod, mostly because I think all of us feel underqualified to actually have like deep analysis of the hockey team. But you know, maybe we should start talking about the, the women's basketball team is exciting to watch again. So yeah, we're gonna say I'm gonna try to hit them up next week. They're playing Michigan next week. They're their NCAA tournament, um, you know, potentially NCAA tournament bound looking pretty good. And yeah. shoot, they're fun, man. Watch them play sometime. They put they score like ninety a game. It's fun fun stuff. 
Right. So maybe maybe we'll dabble in a little more uh, women's basketball hockey coverage if they if they keep having success. But uh, uh, might need to pay attention a little more. That that might be my fault. So uh, appreciate that. But Kyle will be at Maryland noon on CBS. Like I said, appetizer for that Lions game. Um, And yeah, we'll stay on top of it. That'll do it for today's episode. So for Kyle Lawson and Matt Wenzel, I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you once again for listening to M Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. And go Green.